It's good having you back, and it's good being back in a room. So if, and we're continuing in the series in 2 Corinthians. So if you, if you have your Bible, electronic devices, you can click to, turn to. If not, uh, the words are simply going to come up on the screen. But if you're one of those people that like to have the word either in your hand or on a device, then it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 uh, is going to be our springboard passage. And I'm going to spend most of my time that I have with you tonight in, in Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11, and we're going to unpack this verse. And so the title of this message is, is just the benefits of, of believing. And so if you're with us last week, I did a little bit of intro into this, and we're going to spend the next four weeks on just some, just some theology and, and um, just to understand what is the gospel and what does it mean to believe in the gospel and, and to give us some assurances. And so this week, we're going to spend the, our time on this issue of just justification and, and justification is just simply this, we kind of worship to it, is this, I am completely and fully pleasing to God. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, because of that, is that I don't have to fear failure. My, per- my performance is not based upon, or my value is not based upon my performance. My value is based upon who I am in Christ. And so here's that verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away and the new has come. And so I just want to unpack this for you tonight uh, because, listen, I'm telling you, a lot of times it's easier to sing, right? Uh, that, that his love will never run out on me, his love will never end, his love goes on and on in my life, and then sometimes life happens, and sometimes if our theology is wrong, we think, guess what, it's based upon what? It's based upon my performance. The better I act as a Christian, the more God loves me, the worse I act, and the, then the less God loves me, and we just need to understand this, and, and so Paul doesn't, like he does, he does an excellent job in understanding, helping us to understand this, and so to understand this, let me, let me just tell you a story. Here a while back, uh, I went to the doctor for an annual checkup, an annual physical, and, and so the blood work came back, the test came back, and so he looked at me and says, hey, this would be like a fantastic time for you to go on a diet. Uh, probably try to learn to eat differently. And if not, you're going to have to start taking some meds. You're going to have to start doing some things. And, and so he said, he, he talked to me about a healthy diet. Like, could you just at least limit red meat to once a month? And I'm like, once a day would be a good start for me. I mean, I'm, I mean, I have red meat like three times a day. And so, so he's like, I'm like once a month. I mean, what are you, what school did you go to? And so, uh, and then he started talking to me about white flour and sugar and soda and all this other stuff. And so I go home and I talk to Karen and like, I mean, her prayers have been answered. This is like in her wheelhouse. And so she's like, I would love to disciple you in learning to eat healthy. And so, um, and so I'm, I'm learning to eat healthy. And so one night we were watching football. And so I had, um, I'd bought a box of wheat thins because I figure that if, if it just has wheat in the word, it's healthy. I mean, if it, just as long as it has wheat, we're, we're good to go. And so I'm eating this box of, of wheat thins. And then I look over at Karen and I say, you know what? This dieting stuff is pretty easy. She's like, really? I go, yeah, I can eat this whole box of wheat thins and it's only 140 calories. She goes, no, it's not. And I go, yes, it is. It says it right here on the side of the box in like big letters, 140 calories. And she's like, give me the box. And so I give her the box. She reads and she says, Charlie, you need to learn this if you're going to diet. It's 140 calories per serving. 
I said, well, how many is a serving? She's like 17 crackers. I said, 17 crackers? I said, it's wheat thins. It's 17 crackers. I just consumed like 1,200 calories, and, and I thought it was 140 calories. And she says, yes, it's per serving. And I go, well, you know what? I, you know, I, I don't believe that. I don't even like that. And she goes, well, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter, but I'm telling you, you will never have the benefit of a diet until you understand that and you apply it. And guess what? When you go back to the doctor and your follow-up in, in, in March or May or whenever that is, he's not going to see any progress. And so you need to understand this, that, that, that with dieting, it's information plus application, right? And it's the same, same is true in the Christian life. See, a lot of times we think if it's information minus application, it equals just information. I mean, Jesus talked about this a lot in the Scriptures, right? Jesus talked about this. That was a problem with the Pharisees. That was a problem with some other people. They had a lot of information. They knew a lot of Scripture. They had memorized the Torah. They would memorized the law. They had memorized several things, but they never applied it in their life. And so Jesus over and over said it's not information minus application, because that just equals information. You just get a bunch of knowledge, but you never get the benefits from that. I mean, Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And Paul says transformation happens when? By the renewing of your mind, and then you come into the place that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so Paul would say this issue of transformation is information plus application equals transformation. Jesus said it a different way. And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't just, listen, blessed are those that hear the word and do the word. The blessing is not in the hearing of the word. The blessing is applying the word in a situation. Paul, or James, put it a different way in the book of James. James says, just come to the place to be doers of the word. Just come to the place. So it's this, if, it's this issue of information plus application in your life equals this issue of transformation. And so tonight, in the time that I have with you, I really want you to understand the benefits of believing. I really want you to understand, because I'm telling you, some of this is where the secrets of the Christian life are. This is just the pure preaching of God's Word, just the pure preaching of the Gospel. And so three benefits for believing, three benefits that I have as a believer, three benefits that you have as a believer. The first thing is this, we have peace with God. When you become a Christian, the moment you become a Christian, the Scripture says that you're justified. The easiest way that I remember justification or being justified is simply this, just as if I'd never sinned. His blood covers you. His blood forgives you. You're total and completely forgiven. You are deeply loved in Him. When God looks at you, He looks at you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we have, since we have been justified by faith... We have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to Christ, like the war is over, the struggle is over, God is, listen, God is not mad at you, and you're no longer mad at God. You're not in rebellion. You're not fighting one another. You're walking in this issue of harmony. And the, the, the amazing thing when you're in Christ, God, God does not hold anything against you. You're totally and completely forgiven. You are deeply loved in him. I don't know that we can preach this enough. 
And I don't know that we can work enough at learning to apply this to situations in our life. When you come to Christ, you are justified, which means you have perfect peace with him. Peace with God. You know what peace with God means? Peace of mind. If your peace of mind is based upon your performance, is based upon how well you behave or the things that you do, then guess what? Your peace of mind is going to be like a roller coaster that goes up and down depending on your performance. But this, what he's talking about, isn't based on your performance. It's based on through faith in Jesus Christ. A false peace means i got to work really, really hard if I'm going to be pleasing with God and if God's going to be pleased with me. And Paul is talking about this issue of lasting peace because, because we have access to him. Verse 2, we'll just walk, we're just walking through these scriptures. We have also obtained access. That word access is just so important in this discussion. Through, through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This word access, and I, I get it, I understand in English it's like one word, not in the Greek. The Greek, it's like a compound word. It's putting two words together. Uh, one of the words means to bring. The other word means to bring forward. And so access, and so if you look at classical Greek or you look at how they use this Greek language, this word in their language of their day, then access means when one person brings two people together. And we'll talk about this later, this issue of reconciliation. It was used when one person would bring another person together in the, to the presence of like a third party. It was used in history of, of like having access, an audience with the king. See, the Romans, when Paul wrote this, the Roman worlds, they got this, they understood this. Very few people would get to see Caesar face to face. Very few people in their time would get an audience with Caesar, would get to walk in and would get to talk to, to Caesar. Fact is, the majority of them would never get to meet him. Only a few people. Only a few chosen people had access to Caesar. The, the, the Jews understood this, right? The Gentiles understood this, right? Uh, the temple, I mean, in the, in the temple, you, you can go and you can see it. In Jerusalem, we were just there uh, this last year. And I mean, the wall is high. And there's a wall around the temple, and the wall around the temple prevented Gentiles from entering. So Gentiles didn't have access. And if a Gentile went into, inside the temple, they'd be killed immediately. And so Gentiles didn't have access to the temple. The Jews, they didn't have total access to the temple. They didn't have, there were three rooms of the temple, and the inner room is like the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And so even a Jew did not have access into that area so they were separated they were separated from God and there was this veil that, that we're going to talk about in Luke there's this veil that separated God from man and this veil in the temple rep represented that they were separated from God and they did not have access to God in the Old Testament the way that they a Jew would get access to God they had to pray through a priest they had to go to a priest a priest would pray for them and only a priest could enter the holy of holies but guess what when Jesus Christ died and bled on the cross, that barrier was broken. The, listen, the first thing that the gospel did was to break barriers. There is now no separation. There is no Jew or Gentile, slave nor free. The barriers are broken. Look, in, in Luke chapter 23, it says, uh, verse 44, 
It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three. Because the sun's light failed, the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle, and Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. And so when, when Jesus died, the veil at the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. The barrier was broken. And since Jesus Christ came to this earth, we now, as believers, we have total access to God. We don't have to go through a man. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a pastor. You don't have to offer a sacrifice. You don't have to do any of that. You can talk to God directly. You have 24-7 access to God. And listen, one of the benefits, I'm just telling you, one of the benefits of being a believer, when you understand justification that is based upon his character, is based upon his, his, his sovereignty, uh, his presence, you have, you're at peace with him. And when, we're, and when we have peace with God, we have direct access to him. See, Romans, what Paul is talking about is, is we have access to God directly by faith. And the result of being at peace with God gives us access. And the door, the door is always open. We can always talk to him in prayer. He's always available regardless of what your week was like. You are deeply loved in him. You're perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. The door to God because of Jesus Christ is always open for you. Do you know that? I've, I've been to Washington, D.C. a few times and uh, done different tours and been there for different reasons. And one of the most fascinating things about the White House is this is it when the, when the President of the United States of America, when he walks up to the White House, that door that is in front of him always swings open. You should never see a picture of a president standing in front of the White House, and it's like the door is closed. And the reason that's been tradition for hundreds of years, and the reason that is, it is the picture that the president has direct access to the Oval Office. He has direct access 24-7 to the White House. Oh, and anybody that is with the president has that access as well. And as long as you're with the president and you're standing there, the doors of the White House is always open. And because he's there, because you're with him, you get to walk in with him. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. It's because of him. Because of what he did on the cross. The door for us as believers, that's one of the benefits of being a believer, is we have this hope and we have this peace. And we have this peace with God. And as a result of that, the door is open. And one of the reasons, listen, one of the reasons I'm spending so much time on this one point and this one truth is because there are so many people that have bought into a false belief it's based upon my performance. And the better I behave, the more he loves me. And the less I do, the less he loves me. That's a human love. That's a human love. And the reason this is so important for us to understand, because you will walk away thinking, for some reason, I'm just not good enough. Some reason, I just don't measure up. And so when you start thinking about that, it affects your prayer life. It affects what you ask for and what you don't ask for. 
I mean, it, it can come, it, it can make you believe that, guess what? I'm, I'm not good enough. I had a bad week. I got angry. I got frustrated. I did some things. And as a result of that, I shouldn't pray and ask for anything because I don't, I don't deserve to ask God for anything. I don't deserve a better job. I don't deserve better relationships. I don't deserve God to hear my prayer. And so you don't understand the principle of access. When you become a Christian, when you are justified, it's just as if you had never sinned. God is not angry at you for things you've done in the past. God is not holding things against you. Because if you don't understand it, I'm telling you, I know this, I've lived this. When you don't understand this and you start to pray, Satan comes along, right? Who do you think you are? You don't deserve to pray for God or to God. Remember what you did. Remember all those things that you, you've done wrong? You can't, ex- you can't expect an answer. You know what? That, dog, that door's closed. That door's closed for you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself asking God for this. Yet Paul says, the Bible says, that's not true. We have peace with God. We have direct access by faith. That's why, that's why the writer of Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us approach the th- throne of grace with what? With boldness. You know why we approach the throne of grace with boldness? Because we know we have access. Because we know we've been justified. Because we know we are deeply loved in Him. We're perfect. We're complete. We're lacking nothing so that we may receive mercy and find grace, what? To help us in the time of need. Because you're a believer, you have direct access to God, and you can come to God anytime, anywhere, any place, with any request, and not feel like you have to back in the door, not feel like you have to be ashamed, not feel like you have to hold your head down, Not have to say, I'm such a miserable failure, I can't even believe I'm asking you. No, you can come in with faith and you can come in with boldness. You know why? Because you have been justified. You have been justified. The second benefit of being a believer is this, we have hope. You know, it gives us hope, a peace of mind. You know, it gives us hope, direct access to God. Understanding this issue, what Paul says, verse 2, he, he says, he said, we have also obtained access through faith, uh, through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope. Okay, so that phrase, in the hope of the glory of God, we're going to understand that's so important. In the, in the New Testament, just real quickly so we understand, in the New Testament, hope is not like wishful thinking. Like I've had wishful thinking, not, not biblical hope, for the last 25 years that the Cowboys would go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right? You know the great thing for tomorrow with the Bronco fans and the Cowboy fans? It is stress-free football. 
<laughs> right? You just watch it. It is like it's like playing with grandkids. You know what? You're going to send them away in a few minutes. It doesn't matter. Just it's just stress free. And so I know that's a tangent. I'm sorry, but it's true. Hope, biblical hope, means this. I'm confident it's going to work out. I mean, I'm just confident. Hope is a, listen, we know this, right? Hope is essential to living. You and I cannot live without hope. You've got to have it. I mean, you, you can talk to doctors. You can talk to nurses right now if you would like. And they will tell you that people in the hospital who lose hope, who no longer have hope, it takes them longer to get well. Some never get well. Because when you lose hope, I'm just, fact is, I was talking to a lady in our church last week. And a few, few months back, she was in, she was in the hospital, uh, had COVID. She was in the hospital for, for 13, 14 days. And so she couldn't have visitors. That's one of the things that makes this season hard when you go to the hospital. And so that is a challenge. She was in the hospital 13, 14 days. And at the end of her nurse's shifts, two different nurses, they would walk in her room and they would tell her, if you don't mind, we would li we like to pray for our patients. We Could we pray with you? And she's like, bring it on. I mean, you're talking my language. And they got to know it, one another. Then she found out they go to this church. And they had never met. And so then she told them, she says, well, you know what? This is the service I go to. This is where I sit. I will never recognize you with all the PPP stuff that you're wearing, the hood, the mask, you know, the oxygen and everything. You'll recognize me. Please find. And she talks about what encouragement they brought to her. See, we have to have this hope. Hope is this issue of I'm confident it's going to work out. We know that no matter what happens, no matter how many problems, trials we go through, we know that ultimately good is going to come out of it. We, we know as Christians, we know how it ends. We know the final score. I mean, we, we've already fast-forwarded to like the end of the game, and we know who's going to win. So we're confident in our hope. It kind of reminds me, a couple of years ago, I had, I had taped or recorded. I don't think you're supposed to say tape anymore because it's not VHS. We had recorded. Uh, uh, those progressive commercials are killing me right now. About, you know, about the older people and the language? It's just killing me right now. <laughs> we all see it. We all see it. And so... I said that, anyway, I said that in Lowe's. Anyway, we got to move on. And so uh, we're, I'd, I'd recorded the, the Cowboy Bills game a couple of years ago. Karen and I were watching the game together. Now, listen, the game had ended, but I, man, I'd done well. We'd flown under the radar. I didn't know the score. We're cheering like it's in real time. And in the game, Karen asked a question. She says, hey, because she's from Niagara Falls, New York. She goes, hey, do you, do you know how the Buffalo Bills got their name? I go, no, how? She said, I don't know either. I was asking you. I go, well, I don't know. And so she says, well, let me find out. She says, hey, Siri, uh, where did the Buffalo Bills get their name? Siri comes back and like, the Buffalo Bills played the Dallas Cowboys to get today. The game is over. The Cowboys won, you know, 27 to 13. That was a long time ago. And I'm like, ah, we found out how it ends. But you know what? We watched the game totally different. When the Cowboys did dumb stuff and threw interceptions, it didn't, it didn't upset us quite like it would have. Why? Because we know they won. 
hope is the opposite of pessimism. What Paul says, we have hope so we rejoice. A pessimistic Christian is saying, I, I don't have any hope. I don't believe it can work out. I don't believe it will work out. I don't believe God's in control. I mean, that's why we're, we're life journaling right now, and we've entered into the book of Exodus, and Moses is leading the people out. It's fascinating. And God is telling Moses over and over, you keep reminding the people, I am who I am. I am who I am. You know, what, you know why? He didn't want them to lose hope. You remind them I'm sovereign. You remind them I'm, under, I'm, I'm in control. The most hopeless and the most hopeful people in this season that we're in ought to be believers. Ought to be Christians because we know how this whole deal ends. And so you look at that phrase. I kind of teased you with that phrase about what is the glory of God. The, the scripture says it's, it, it says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of the God. The glory of God is two things. It's God's character and it's God's purpose. And it's one, literally one of the most exciting verses in scripture. And, and so why do we hope in God's glory? Because when, when Jesus Christ comes back to earth, this is what's going to happen. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory in the last days. When Christ comes back, we're going to appear with him, and we're going to share his glory with him. And we'll appear glory in glory with Christ. <laughs> Not because we deserve it. Again, it's grace. And we rejoice and we have hope because we know no matter what happens in the end, it's eventually going to be okay. And it's easy to rejoice, verse 3, and he says, and not only that, we also boast in our afflictions. That's kind of strange because we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. You know how you get hope? You've got to go through some suffering. You've got to have some problems. We rejoice in hope, but not in suffering. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, and man, we need to move quick. <laughs> this is just so important to me. I struggled with this for many years of my Christian life. Because I believed that my value in Christ was dependent upon my performance. And I struggled with peace of mind and the peace of God. I, know, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But suffering problems, afflictions, difficulties has a benefit once you become a believer. Suffering has no benefit for the unbeliever. Just a problem. It's just suffering. But suffering, what the scriptures say, I'm just telling you what the scriptures say, suffering for the believer has great benefit. It says you mature. When you understand the purpose of suffering, the purpose of affliction, and you respond accordingly, it's information plus application equals transformation. And the benefit, what he's saying, just the benefit of affliction, the benefit of suffering, the benefit of problems, 
is this, is this issue of character development to where all of a sudden you mature through that. And so, listen, you're going to have problems in your life whether you like it or not. And you might as well benefit from it. You might as well respond accordingly. And what he says, your suffering produces perseverance, produces character, which produces hope. The Romans, when he wrote this, were under intense persecution. In verse 3 again, he says, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Now listen, just real carefully, this may be one of the most biggest heresies in Christianity is the misunderstanding of the difference between in or because. We rejoice in suffering, not because of suffering. The Bible says in everything give thanks, not because of everything give thanks. To thank God for evil is like an insult to God. It's insult to the nature of God. It's attributing evil to God, but God, God never tells you to thank him for evil. But what he says is we rejoice in suffering. We're rejoicing about the purpose behind it. We rejoice about what it's producing. We understand the benefits, verse 3. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance uh, produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. The hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I rejoice because there is a purpose in my problem. Affliction or suffering literally means pressure. And the character that it produces in, in our life and it produces hope. Listen, I'm telling you. In 2016, when we went through the health challenge with our daughter, Brittany, it produced a hope in our family that we cannot even explain. When we came out on the other side of that, we have a hope and we have a boldness that was different than when we went in. In 2020, we had some challenges and we had some difficulties. But we have come out of 2020 with a different kind of hope and a different kind of boldness because what we have seen God do. I mean, Jesus in Life Journaling, Jesus in Luke chapter 18, 1 says, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. This is so important. Jesus ties prayer and giving up together. You know why a lot of us give up? We lose hope and we quit praying. Because when we lose hope, we can quit praying. And so what Jesus says, you know what? You continue to pray and you will not give up. And, and he wants to produce in us this, this fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The last benefit of the Christian life is this, is we have eternal security. We have, listen, we have eternal security. Once you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Once you're in the family, you're in the family. Verses 7 through 11, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, there's that word justification, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if, while we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. And you can put your hope in him because he is trustworthy, he is sovereign, and he is in control. Have you ever put your trust in someone that disappointed you and let you down because you found out later they weren't trustworthy? Well, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, God is trustworthy. And our trust is not placed in anybody else. Our trust is placed in him. Verse 6, he says, this is so important, for while we were, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, through a, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proved his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now listen, there are some people that love to say, God only helps those who help themselves. You know what the Bible says? God only helps those who can't help themselves. Verse 6, while we were still helpless. Verse 8, while we were still sinners. Verse 10, while we were his enemies. Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And once you become, I'm, t I'm telling you, once you become a Christian, once you become a believer, you can't become an unbeliever. And I know, I know, I know, especially right now, there are a lot of people telling you can't. But the Bible says very, very clearly Once you're in the family you're in. Once you're a believer, you can't become an unbeliever. He, he used that phrase, while we, while we were enemies, while we were still. And then he says, we will be saved. Is that past, present, or future tense? We will be saved. In, in the Greek, technically, it's three tenses. It's past, present, and future. He saved you on the cross. When you accepted him, when you accepted him for the forgiveness of your sins, he saved you then. He is continually, it's a continual action in the Greek. He's continually saving you now. And he's going to save you then. That's why Paul says, we will. We will be saved. We will be with him in heaven. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? You cannot lose this. There's a benefit of becoming a Christian. You have peace with God. You have hope. 
Because you know how it's all going to end? And you have eternal life. And because of that, that's our motivation to live for Him. Changes everything. And the question for you and the question for me is, one, have you ever accepted Him? If you come to that place to ask Him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, if not, I, I will guide you how to do that in a few moments. For those of us that have done that, have we slipped into a false belief that my value is based upon my performance, not my position in Christ? And have you lost hope? Have you lost peace? If not, would you just understand the gospel and what he has done for you? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask you, what is God saying to your result of this message? Whether you're in person, whether you're watching online, if you're watching online right now and it's, it's on demand and, and it's live, and you need to talk to someone, you just go up to the top of the screen and check, click live prayer, and a prayer partner is going to meet you right now in a virtual room. And they'll, they'll text with you back and forth, and they'll have a conversation with you. They would love to guide you on this. But if you've never accepted Christ, if you have never come to that place, he said, while we were still enemies... He died for you. Someone might die for their best friend. But I'm guessing nobody's willing to like die for their enemy. But Christ was. Would you receive him? Would you accept him if you haven't? And just say, dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And I'm going to start walking with you. And maybe you're here tonight or maybe you're watching online. And you, you believed. And you know you're a believer. But you feel like God's mad at you or he hasn't forgiven you for something that someone has either done to you or something you've done. I'm telling you. He wants to release you from that false belief. In Christ... In Christ, you're deeply loved. You're perfect. You're complete. You're lacking nothing. Would you just receive that? Father, we thank you for your love. We just thank you for your grace. May we understand who we are in Christ. May we understand just the pure gospel. And would it just not be information minus application for us, and it's just information, but, Father, would we, in, would we apply it and say, I'm going to receive this, and I'm going to accept this. It's going to give me peace. It's going to give me hope. And it's going to give me the assurance of, a, of eternal life and salvation. For we ask these sayings in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me just for our, our benediction? And 
There's just a verse. I've, I've been reading out of Numbers chapter 6, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that tonight and probably in the next few weeks just for a reason. It comes out of Jude. And listen, if you've made a decision of any kind, we would love to know about that. There's a QR code on the seat back in front of you in person. Scan that with your phone, and the Connect card will come up. We've got old-school Connect cards out in, in the foyer. If you'd like to go deeper in what I talked about, uh, our life groups are going to use uh, Robert McGee's Search for Significance. Pastor Dwayne has, has produced that material. Uh, you actually, you could do this as a family. We're going to do this as life groups. If you'd like to learn more about this on your way out uh, in the foyer, there'll be handouts of, of these sheets. If you'd like to do it electronically, then if you use the Uversion Bible app, then you search on Fellowship the Rockies, and then it's going to come up. Or you can go to our website, and you scroll all the way down to study guide, click on that, and you can print that off, and you can have that. We are doing everything we can to help you apply this uh, to your life or to your family. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, so a benediction that the church used for a number of years to remind them of this very fact is out of Jude. And here's what the scripture says, may you receive it as a benediction. Now to him who is able to protect you. Who does the protecting? Who does the protecting of your salvation? Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without what? Without blemish and with great joy to the only God of our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever and ever. Amen. May you receive the word of the Lord this weekend. God bless you. Thank you for being here.